You are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 36 of The Music Room. Today I'm going to be talking about five must-dos for back to school in The Music Room. So before I get started, I want to say welcome back. Probably a lot of you are either back at school right now or you're about to go back to school. And I had taken a little bit of a hiatus from the podcast so that I could focus on things this summer. So just a little overview of my summer. I went to Yellowstone with my family, which was amazing. And we got back from that. Then I went to Austin, Texas for the Teachers Pay Teachers Conference, where I learned how to better serve all of you through my podcast and through my blog, which was great. Then I came back from that and then started teaching Kodai Level 3 for Capital University's Kodai program. So I did pedagogy and folk song research, and that was really great. I had such a cohesive, a wonderful group of educators for the Level 3 class and really enjoyed it. And then my husband and I went for a quick getaway, just the two of us, to New Orleans right after level three, just as a little reward for all that hard work. And that was a lot of fun too. So I've had a really busy summer. I'm actually sitting in my music room right now and I'm ready to talk to you about back to school. So a little bit about like how I came to this topic. With the level three class at Capitol, we ended up exploring guilt a lot, which wasn't exactly my intent, but it kind of just worked out that way that we ended up talking a lot about what we call in the Kodai world, Kodai guilt, but it was also just guilt in general about being a teacher and not feeling worthy enough, not feeling like what you're doing is enough, not feeling like you're the best teacher you can be and comparing yourself to other people. And I really tried to lead them through not feeling guilty and that we are all our own teachers on our own paths and you're doing the best that you can. Kind of intertwined in that as I was thinking about this idea of guilt was the idea of work-life balance, which I struggle with. I'm sure a lot of you do too. It's really hard to balance everything. And I've had several people tell me, oh, you seem like you have it so together. And that's nice, but I don't always feel like I have it together. I just might appear like I have it all together, but I kind of had an aha moment that kind of is about all of this guilt and balance that with balancing things, if we can look at what we have to do or what we really feel like we should do versus what would be nice to do. And we can kind of sort out everything we have to do under those two umbrellas, then that can help lead to a more balanced life. So I've actually been trying that the last week or so, and I've enjoyed it really looking at what do I have to do right now versus what would be nice to do. And I thought about that through the lens of back to school. So today I wanted to talk to you about five things that I feel like I have to do versus five things that are just extras that are nice to do. And when we're really crunched for time and really trying to balance out home and life, it can be good to look at it through that lens. So that's kind of how I came to this topic. So five must do's for back to school. Number one, print your class list and your schedule. Especially if you are a new teacher and you're wondering where the heck do I start? You should hopefully get some class list 
from your secretary and it's even better if you can get them in an Excel form or Google Sheets or something like that then it's a lot easier to copy and paste into other programs as you need to. The reason you need your class list is for attendance on the first day of school with each class I'll just go down my class list and make sure that everyone who I think is supposed to be in the class is in the class and make sure there's not any movements which there usually are. You need them for fire drills so you might just want to keep your class list outside your room in a binder. We have this little thing on, on the wall that we put our fire drill binder in or maybe it's right by your door wherever it is it's good to have the class list in your fire drill folder and then you might also want to use class list for things like separating kids into groups and writing out popsicle sticks so that you can call on students and because you have 600 students or more a lot of us have at least 500 students, you might actually just write their numbers on a popsicle stick instead of writing every single kid's name on a popsicle stick, but that's just something to think about. Those are all things that you could use class list for. It's just really helpful to have a list of who's supposed to be in what class. If you have technology, you might split students into technology groups based on the class list, you know, whatever you need to do. It's also good to print out your schedule so that you know who you have when. And this might not be something that's actually given to you. You might have some information that you have to create a schedule with. So I like to create mine in PowerPoint where I just write the time for each class. It's just like a grid of the times that I have each grade level and then which class I have when and then when I have my planning. And then I also have another document that I have in Google Slides where I have the schedule, but it's per week, which class is on which lesson. So like if I'm teaching first grade for the first time, I'll label that 1-1 or 2-1 or 2-2 or whatever that might be. So printing your class list in your schedule is really important to have that for the first week of school. Number two is figuring out your classroom management system and routines. So really pondering what your expectations are. And you might have a school-wide system. We actually do have one this year that I'm really excited about, which I'll get into in a minute. But you might just have class expectations too, especially if you don't have a school-wide system. So really thinking about what are your rules? What are your expectations for the music room? And then if you do have a school-wide system, are you going to hopefully align your classroom at least a little bit with that. And then what are your routines? Like for getting pencils, going to the bathroom, sharpening pencils, what are you going to have students do? Or what do they do when they're done with a worksheet? Where do they put it? I actually found a set on Teachers Pay Teachers that I can link to in the show notes. And by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, you can find the show notes by going to mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com and then clicking on podcast and then clicking on episode 36. But I am also creating this podcast episode into a blog post. So you might have already read the blog post, which will also have the information in this. Anyway, I found this set where you can type up all of your routines. And on the first day of class, you can show students, this is what you do when you need to go to the bathroom. This is what you do when you need a pencil. This is what you do when you come back from the bathroom. This is what you do when whatever. And I am excited about that. I actually recorded myself saying everything on each slide as well because I'm going to be honest after teaching my routines 26 times I'm a little bit exhausted of speaking the routines so I thought I'll just save my voice and I'll record my voice into this PowerPoint which you can actually do right in PowerPoint and I'm just going to hit play and of course I can elaborate as I need to but that way it'll just save my voice a little bit so I'll link to that. Will you already have students divided up into teams or into small groups somehow? David Rao has this great blog post, which I just read last night, about splitting students up by instrument family, which is such a cool idea. So he has some students in the percussion family, some students in the woodwind family, etc. And he decides that 
at the beginning of the year and then is able to split them up into small groups or have them line up at the door or all these different things based on their family. So he tells them that at the beginning of the year and then it just makes things so much more streamlined. So I'm actually thinking I have to do some work between now and two days from now, which is the first day of school with kids. But I'm thinking about splitting them up into those kind of instrument family teams. And then one of the teams, when they come to music, they get to sit on special seats because I have like flexible seating in my room, but it would be hard for everybody to sit on a flexible seat. But one of the teams could sit on flexible seats and then another team could have classroom jobs. So I have this set on Teachers Pay Teachers for Classroom Jobs, and I think I'm going to tweak it and kind of like align it with this idea of instrument families. So maybe for the full month, they either have a job in music class or they get to sit on flexible seats, and then the next month it rotates to different families. That's kind of my thought right now, but it's not completely fleshed out right now. But thinking through that kind of thing, are you going to split them up into small groups before they come to you? And sometimes, especially if you're at a new school, you might want to wait until you know the kids better. You know, personalities, it's good to think about those personalities when you're splitting them up. Um, Will you have seating charts? So um, this is something that I do with second through fifth grade. I rotate it like I'll switch the seating chart up after each nine weeks. So thinking through that, and I just have kindergarten and first grade come into a circle. So thinking about that beforehand is good. And I actually make my seating charts with PowerTeacher Pro. For those of you who use PowerTeacher, there is a way to create seating charts within that. There is a iPad app called Smart Seat that I will link to in the show notes that you could also use to create seating charts and it's really easy to randomize it because that seating charts is just one of those things I don't love creating but that makes it a little bit easier. And then also just thinking through what your consequences are, positive or negative. In the past for positive behavior I've done star student and I've done class points so the star student was like the individual reward and class points were the whole group reward. I'm actually because we are transferring to this school-wide system. It's like a PBIS system, which our acronym is PAWS because we feed into the Berlin Bears. So PAWS stands for Perseverance, Awareness, Work Ethic, and Showing Respect. And we kind of have some different things with this system. So I am actually going to try to move away from star student and points because I'm trying to get away from so many rewards where kids feel like if they do something, they'll get a reward. I'm going to try to give rewards, but be more random about it. So it's not something that they necessarily expect. I'll have to maybe do a podcast later about how this school-wide system is going, but I really love this idea because we're figuring out like in each common area, what does perseverance look like? What does awareness look like? What does work ethic look like? What does showing respect look like? In the music room, what does that look like? When students come to band, what does that look like? I'm really excited about it, but really thinking through that is helpful. So that's number two, figuring out classroom management system and routines. All right, and then number three for your must-do for back to school is to write engaging lessons. You want to make sure that you have lesson plans for your first day that are ready to go. So I like to think of my first day lessons having three sections to them. One is a getting to know you section. Two is your routine and rules section. And three is your music making section. So in the getting to know you part, I do name games like for my younger kids, I love to do rickety rackety. For my older kids, I love to do jump in, jump out. And I have a blog post that I can link to that has those name games. Or you can have some kind of gathering activity or something like that. I just like having that getting to know you aspect. And when I go down my class list, I also will make a little bit of conversation. Like, you know, as I'm reading off the kids' names, how was your summer? Or, oh, you must be so-and-so's sister or whatever. So I have that section that's getting to know you. And then I, the second section is my routine section where I go over all those important routines and rules. 
in that lesson, you can detail everything or almost everything that you want kids to know about roles and routines in your classroom. And then, like I said, going down class lists, marking kids off who are absent, adding kids to the class list that weren't there, that kind of thing. And then in the third section of that first day lesson, I like to have music making. So I will review known concepts and we'll sing songs that we've already sung in music class, which if they're brand new to you, obviously you can't do that unless you know all the songs they already know. I like to review, but I do kind of a slow review. So like with my second graders, they know Ta, Titi, and Rust going into second grade. But in my first lesson, we're just going to review Ta and Titi. And then in the second lesson, we'll review Rust. So I kind of ease them into it, especially if you have students who are new. It's helpful to be a little bit slower with your review at the beginning of the year. If you're looking for lessons that are already written that you can adapt as needed, I have a set back to school lesson plans on Teachers Pay Teachers that I will link to where you can, they come as PDFs and as Word files so that you can easily edit them as you need to, but then at least you have something to work off of. So that's number three, writing engaging lessons. Number four is setting up your room. So just thinking about like where you want everything is so important. And I have to laugh because my two daughters, Jenna and Macy, came in with me over the weekend to start setting up my room. And my oldest daughter, Jenna, who wants to be a teacher, said, Mom, I think you're putting too much thought into where everything goes. And I just laughed. I'm like, nope, I'm not putting too much thought. It is important knowing where everything goes. So if you have tables, where do they go? If you have chairs, where do they go? Where do your instruments go so that they can be easily accessed? You know, that kind of thing. And I just talked to my friend, Emily, who's been on the podcast before, Emily Karst, the STEAM episode, and there was another podcast episode she was on, I think about reflecting over winter break. She was talking about thinking about her room in sections. So having her technology section, having her instrument section, having her small group section or whatever that might be, I think that's really helpful. I hadn't been quite that detailed about thinking about my room setup before. So I, I like that idea of this is my technology section. This is where all my technology goes. This is my ORF instrument section. These are where all my xylophones, glockenspiels, and metallophones go, that kind of thing. And I am this year trying to only put out what I need in my classroom instead of everything that I have so that it's not overwhelming to kids. I think this is something that we struggle with because we see all these beautiful rooms on Pinterest and they look so beautifully decorated. But I think there is such a thing as too much decoration um, and too much stuff. So I'm really trying to be mindful of only putting out what I really need. And if I find that I keep looking for the same thing in the cabinets or whatever, then I'll bring it out and I'll put it on the counter so it's easier to access. But maybe think about that too, only putting out what you absolutely need so that it's not so overwhelming for kids to look at and for them to find stuff. Think about your movement space. Do you have an area where kids can move freely if you're doing creative movement or folk dances or whatever? And also hooking up your technology and thinking about where should my computer go so that my smart board works or whatever that is. I actually just got a ViewSonic board, which I'm super excited about. And I think I'm actually going to talk about that in an upcoming podcast, but it's a lot like a smart board, but even better. So I had to think about where my computer would go as opposed to where my ViewSonic board was and that kind of thing. All right, so that's number four, setting up your room. And then number five is posting anything important. So I don't mean that you need to fully decorate your room and put a bunch of stuff up on the walls, but what are your important things? 
like your rules, you want those up. If you have anchor charts that you often refer to, you want to put those up. If there is like a school-wide system like we talked about and there are visuals with that, you want to put that up. So what are the really important things that you want to put up? Or like when your administrator walks in the room, is he or she expecting something to be up like I can statements or essential questions or something like that? So thinking about where all of that should go. You might also, even if you don't decorate your bulletin board yet, you might just put up like the bulletin board paper and the border and then maybe you're just waiting for student work to put that up on the bulletin board and you don't actually decorate it at first. That's okay. I actually just heard Carrie from Music Teacher Coffee Talk talk about this in their back to school episode about how sometimes she has a bulletin board up, but it, it only has the paper and the border up. And you shouldn't feel guilty about that because a lot of teachers do like to wait until they get that student work to put it up. All right, so that's number five, posting anything important. So the five must do's were printing your class list and schedule, figuring out your classroom management system and routines, writing engaging lessons, setting up your room, and posting anything important. So now I'm going to get to the five nice to do's like if you have time, this would be great to do, but if you don't have time, that's okay. So number one is decorating. So if you have time, you could decorate a little bit more than just putting up the bare minimum. Now, when I say decorating, I don't mean cover every inch of your walls, but maybe you have like a word wall up. Maybe you have some quarter fingerings or ukulele chord charts up. Maybe you have a musical symbol wall up, that kind of thing. I like some empty space on my wall, but I do like to put up a little bit more than the bare minimum. And then you also could decide, am I going to do a theme or am I not going to do a theme? And either is totally fine. You have to decide what works best for you. I like to do a theme every year and I do generally like to change my theme every year because I like to come into something new and have it just be like a fresh new year with a new theme, but absolutely no guilt if you don't do that. That's just my personal preference. I do have a blog post that I can link to about choosing a theme and how you do that. But like I said, no guilt if you don't. It's just something that I like to do. And there's a lot of cute stuff out there on Teachers Pay Teachers for different themes if you're interested in that. And also just thinking about as you're decorating, studies show that calm colors are better for kids. When you have a bunch of like really bright colors, it can actually be distracting to them. So I already have some bright colors going on in my room because I have bright yellow cabinets, you know, Chibanos and Jambe that are all brightly colored. So I keep all my other decor pretty calm, like a lot of like brown and green and blues. And I really like that. I find myself calmer when I'm in that environment. So it's just something to think about. All right, number two is doing a little bit more with your class list, like using an app or a website for choosing students and groups. So I use this awesome set that I bought on Teachers Pay Teachers by Pink Cat Studio that I can link to for interactive attendance where I keep track of like who's had a turn with games on the interactive attendance. And there are some new features on it, which I'm super excited about, where you have students break up into small groups randomly with the interactive attendance. And you can call on students through the interactive attendance and it's super fun like there's all these different themes that you can pick there's actually a music theme which I'm quite excited about so there's a lot of stuff you can do with that now I will say that did take me quite a bit of time to enter because I couldn't just copy and paste from my spreadsheet I had to enter the kids names one at a time so that's why I say only do this if you have time and you really want to do it I did just talk to my friend Carla Chewinski who's been on the podcast before and she does the same kind of thing that I just described but she does it with class dojo so for those of you who use class dojo you could try that too and I'm sure there are other apps and websites that you could use to break students up into small groups and that kind of thing I know in smart notebook they have a group picker I think or something like that or like a student randomizer that you could do so that's another option 
All right, number three for a nice to do is a music brochure. So I actually have a blog post about this. I believe I'm the Kodai Corner collaborative blog that has a template that you can use where you can type up like a little bit about yourself. If you have a traveler, you are a traveler, you put a little bit about the traveler and then you can put something about your philosophy of teaching. Like I have a whole section in there about the Kodai philosophy. And then I put program dates and anything else that's important and like what we do in music class and that kind of thing. And I find that especially helpful because as I'm recording this open house is tonight. So I have to finalize my music brochure and fold them. But then when parents come in and they ask, oh, what do you do in the music room? I can hand them a brochure that has all this important information. I just find it really helpful. So then I'm not repeating myself over and over again, and I'm giving everyone the same information. So that's a helpful thing to do. Number four of a nice to do is if you can work on your sub tub now, that's super helpful. I don't always get to it before the school year starts. In fact, I have a sub tub, but I do need to update it. I have not updated it yet because I just haven't had the time. But if you do have the time, I will link to a blog post that has some free sub plans that you can just print out and edit as you need to. I have a blog post about creating a sub tub. So my subtop has just like a folder for kindergarten subplans, a folder for first grade subplans, a folder for second grade subplans. And like I might have a subplan that works for K and one, and I just make a copy of it and put it into both folders. That way, if something like an emergency were to happen, like let's say you start throwing up at seven in the morning and you were planning on coming to work and you haven't called for a sub yet, you could call your secretary and say, just have the sub take something out of my sub tub. So kind of like emergency sub plans. But it also works really well for when you are, you know, putting together sub plans the night before when it's a planned absence. It's so much easier to figure out what your sub plans are because it's all right there and you can just pull them. So that's really helpful to do. And then number five of a nice to do is to organize. Again, this is something that I've not gotten to yet. But if you can try to organize so that you start your year off feeling like you haven't shoved everything in a drawer, which is my go-to instinct is to just shove everything in a drawer. So if you can try it, like I'm looking at my desk right now and I have a container that has a bunch of tape in it, but it's got some other stuff in there. I should pull the other stuff out and put that where it belongs. You know, that kind of thing, just kind of feeling like, okay, my highlighter drawer only has highlighters in it. My side drawer on my desk doesn't look like I just threw a bunch of stuff in there, which it totally does. So that kind of thing, just are my manipulatives all in the same place? Are my instruments all in the same place? Are my materials for games all in the same place? So if you have time to do that, that's really helpful. I do have a music room organization set that I can link to that I have found helpful in setting up my room and organizing it. Okay, so my five nice to do's were decorating with a theme or without a theme, using an app or website for choosing students, groups, etc., putting together a music brochure, putting together a subtop, and organizing your classroom a little bit better than just throwing things in a drawer. All right, so that's it. I hope that's helpful as you are putting together your materials for the new school year. All right, so I'm going to talk about what I'm consuming. My husband and I just finished the third season of Stranger Things, and it was awesome. My oldest daughter, Jenna, loves Stranger Things, so she finished it within like a day of it releasing, and then she watched a little bit of it as we were watching it because we were slower than her. I really loved seasons one and two. Season three was a little bit harder for us to get into for some reason. It just kind of moved slowly at first, but Jenna told us, just wait until episode five, it gets better. And it did. She was right. So if you've not checked out Stranger Things yet, you totally need to do that. Now, I will say if you don't like horror stuff at all, then I wouldn't watch it. 
but it's not really gory. I don't like gory stuff. I don't like, you know, things that get really bloody or anything, but it's really, really well done. So if you, if you not checked it out on Netflix, I would do that. All right. So in a couple of weeks, I'll be posting another podcast episode and I'm planning on talking about tech tools and other techie stuff. And I'm actually going to focus on free tech tools and other techie stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. I hope that you have a great start to your school year. If you haven't subscribed to the Music Room podcast yet in iTunes, please do that so that you are notified when that next episode hits the airwaves. And if you haven't reviewed the podcast yet, I would really appreciate that because it helps other music teachers find the podcast. Thanks so much for listening and have a wonderful day.